Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong. Radiant. Timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to Ridiculous History. Uh, thanks for tuning in, Ridiculous Historians. I uh, am Ben. I have found our legendary and legendarily obnoxious uh, sound-making machine. Ben, uh, I'm Noel. Have you, do you think the batteries have ever been replaced on that? Do you think it's slowly, like, dying and that's why it's just the, that that super tinny quality? I think, okay, first off, I think we definitely cut corners when whomever purchased this purchased it. Uh, the batteries had to be replaced at some point because this is— is a POJ piece of junk. Can you give us some other samples sure. the, from the repertoire? Sure, but they all, I, I want to warn you, they all go on a little too long. Here, I'll do one and I'll pass it to you so we can share in the oh, fun. Thanks, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, of course. Uh, there are some classic hits here, but let's go with something a little bit, uh, a little bit out of the normal. Let's go with Pogo Stick. See how they I, see how they said they go on too long. Here you go, knock one out. It also it, it sounds I don't know. Never mind. I was gonna say it sounds like a clown masturbating, but that's not <laughs> that's not okay for the show. It's accurate though. It is yeah, accurate. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we leave it in. Just keep it in. Sorry, I, teachers. I, I feel like that's articulate. Let's see. Do you, do you think there's a diamonds and pearls sound cue? Um, there's definitely a couple of disaster sound okay, cues. Okay, cool. You think we'll get sued for this? I will give you diamonds and pearls. See, that didn't go on long enough. <laughs> See, I was trying to do a siren diamonds and pearls mashup remix. Thing. I say diamonds and pearls because they were talking about only one of those two things. It's diamonds. It's nothing yeah. about pearls in today's episode. Well, at all. well, uh, there have been counterfeit pearls of plenty. Uh, we do. I shouldn't have handed this to you. I almost I thought let's just do it once we'll go but <laughs> but we do have to shout out uh, the the inspiration behind the perfect sound cue of course that's our super producer Casey Pegram. No, you know I'm interested because you said diamonds, right? Uh, 
diamonds in a way because this is also a bit of a a crime story it's a mm-hmm. bit of a con right mm-hmm. you know they say diamonds are a girl's best friend uh was that a song or did that come from the de beers company yeah it was a liz taylor thing right it was a liz it's taylor all thing. de beers it's all de beers the de beers family and the way they in the same way that edward bernays made bacon a thing mm-hmm. the de beers family basically made diamonds a thing and while they might be a girl's best friend um they certainly aren't a friend of of the working class or uh the folks in uh, third world countries that are, you know, subjected to horrible conditions to mine them from the earth for the uh, privileged classes of uh, countries they'll never set foot in. Yeah, this has been a uh, personal hobby horse of mine since that a time several years ago when I went, got married and I had to go diamond shopping and I found out about the whole racket. We have a great episode about that on Stuff They Don't Want You to Know with our very own Lauren Vogelbaum, who, who is the first guest on Ridiculous History. You're right, she was, wasn't she? Yeah. What do we talk about with her? She was the fact genie. Yeah. The fact genie. Which we had, okay, this is funny. Uh, we will get to an episode today, but you might enjoy this, folks. Collaboratively, we were all pitching these ideas of segments. I'm a very big believer in segments. I think they're cool for shows. Uh, and we had we had a ton that never made it off the list. Uh, maybe we'll dig that up. But we digress. Diamonds. Yes. As you said, Noel, diamonds uh, do have a dark side. And they've been super popular for years and years. Travel with us back to California, back to the West in the 1800s. You know, we're, we're all familiar with the California gold rush, right? That's the reason the San Francisco 49ers are named the San Francisco 49ers. People thought you could make a fortune hunting gold or, or uh, mining silver maybe in Nevada. And so everybody was kind of speculating. They're like, what's the next big thing, right? Is it going to be like, I don't know, platinum? Is it going to be copper? Is it going to be diamonds? Possibly scorpion-filled paperweights. Yeah, I was going to hold my uh, lucky scorpion uh, till next next episode, but I think we're just doing the one today. I right? think so. It's, yeah. a, it's a very beautiful talisman you've got there. Yeah, right? check this out. So this is a glass-encased preserved scorpion of no small size. No, it's got a good weight to it. Yeah, from my last trip out to uh, – to Arizona, actually. Hey, that's just the part of the country that we're talking about today. <laughs> See, I had <laughs> I had like a loose theme, man. Uh, so people are all trying to strike it rich. And you know, whenever there's this speculative market, we see this now, even, even with stocks day, whenever there's a speculative market, people will tell you, well, the thing that just became a boom, you, you know, the time for you to enter that is past. You've got to look for the next thing, right? And People didn't have the benefit of communication technology, or at least not the kind we have today. So you had to trust people and you had to, you know, you had to stake a lot on somebody's character, right? That's why so many people rode the rails and traveled across the continent to seek their fortune in the West. And in 1870, San Francisco had already swelled to a city with a population of like 150,000 people. And that's where uh, we meet one of the main characters of our story. You're talking about uh, Arnold and Slack? Oh, yeah. Philip Arnold. That's right. right. I, I, what a great name for a, for a duo of, uh, <laughs> of hucksters, right? Arnold and Slack. So Philip Arnold uh, was from Kentucky. He was he didn't have the best formal education. He had a job as an apprentice to a haberdasher. 
Uh, he was a veteran of the Mexican War. He had gone like so many souls to the gold rush in 49. And he had spent, by the time our story takes place, he had spent about 20 years working in mining operations in the West. And he did okay. He eventually made enough money they could go back to Kentucky. He got a farm. He got married and some kids. And historians think he made a little bit of money. Sure. But, you know, he didn't want to rest on his laurels. He got a little squirrely. And around 1870, he uh, had a gig working as a bookkeeper for a company called the Diamond Drill Company in San Francisco. It was a uh, drill manufacturer that used those famous diamond-headed tips uh, for their drill bits, right? Um, So while he was uh, keeping the books, he became pretty fascinated in these these drill bits um, that were, you know, so widely used here. And he even, like, really did his homework and started, like, researching how the material worked, the whole trade of, of drilling, drill making, I don't know. And uh, in uh, November, he um, had amassed himself a small cache of uncut Diamonds. You know, I love it, man. It's like the billionaire's go bag. Just there's few things as sketchy as a bag of loose diamonds. I love, especially when you call them just loose diamonds. That's right. Um, and, you know, the idea is that he probably uh, pilfered these throughout the years uh, from his boss. And he had some other uncut gems mixed in there as well. He had some sapphires and some rubies and some garnets. And it's pretty likely that he bought those in Arizona from some of the uh, Indian tribes there. Yeah. And he also at this time got a partner, and that's the the guy I mentioned earlier, Slack. John, John Slack. <laughs> and uh, uh, Smithsonian uh, Magazine, in their article on this subject, has a great description of John Slack. They say that he is the listless, taciturn foil to the voluble and cunning Arnold. Slack was uh, a cousin of Arnold's, and he was also a veteran for the Mexican War. He had gone chasing gold in 49, but he was going to be the kind of the assistant to Arnold in their two-man con because, you see, they decided to commit a hoax. They saw everybody in San Francisco in the area going mad with greed and speculation because of the gold rush. Like, the gold rush literally did make some people's fortunes. Right, because you even had like the Comstock load in Nevada, which was this massive, massive pocket of silver underneath this mountain peak that was just churning out silver just by the boatload, right? And it really contributed to this speculation gone wild kind of mentality because you did have some people that were absolutely getting rich overnight. Uh, if you've ever seen the the TV series Deadwood, you get a sense of that. Um, there's a few characters that strike it rich, and I think one of them. Uh, Ellsworth, you know, he goes from kind of being just sort of this like pretty working class kind of like ruffian around town to essentially having to figure out what it means to be like a gentleman and uh, and all that stuff. And it's actually pretty funny the way they portray him. He's a great character. Um, But yeah, you kind of see it from the ground up there. And that was very real. Yeah, it was. And people were so convinced that they would be able to take advantage of this bubble like any other bubble, like that thing with the tulips over in Europe, like uh, uh, Beanie Babies. Mm-hmm. Podcasts. <laughs> like podcasts. Oh, it hurts. You wound me, but I don't think you're too far wrong. Like any bubble, people were convinced that, you know, 
these other folks might be rubes, but I'm the smart guy. You know, I'm, I'm the Captain Smarty Pants who is gonna who is gonna profit here, and that led to a situation where some of these businessmen in San Francisco were, shall we say, overconfident. Yes. And, you know, people would pitch them these wild ideas. And as soon as they heard the M word, mining, mm -hmm. then they were on board. They would be like, shut up. Shut your pie hole. I've heard enough. Take my money. Take my money. Don't you, care. Where, 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 where even is South Africa? It's, it's fine. <laughs> right. Give it to me. Yeah. You take it to, to one of those places you just described and then come back with gems. And so here's how they instituted their scam. So Slack and Arnold kind of dressed up as prospectors, you know, like them rough. They've been sleeping uh, in like a, a situation that Tom Waits was sleeping in, in that excellent, what was that Netflix film? Oh, Buster Scruggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ballad the best, of Buster the Ballad Scruggs. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. The Tom Waits as the old prospector was, I think, the, the best uh, one in that uh, anthology series. I really liked that moment where James Franco asked the guy if it's his first time being hanged. Also great. There, 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 there were a lot of good ones. I just yeah. thought the Tom Waits one was really moving. So picture Tom Waits in that film. That's what they look like when they go to uh, the office of a businessman named George Roberts, and they're clutching a leather satchel. So uh, they announced to this businessman, George Roberts, that this buckskin pouch they're carrying was full of some pretty valuable loot, and they were hoping to deposit it in a bank if it, if it wasn't so late. So instead, they decided to, you know, they saw this place, this guy was around, I guess, you know, closing up or like doing some mm -hmm. book work or whatever, and they were hoping that he'd help them out because uh, it was, you know, oh, it was, there's, there's rough diamonds in here. Oops. Oh, I've said too much. I've said too much, good sir. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it works, right? You get you hook people with that because you make them feel like you've now entered into a bond of privileged information or uh, trust. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So the way Arnold recalls this was that the businessman, Roberts, was pretty impressed by this discovery. And he said, okay, uh, you guys, you can trust me. I will keep your secret. You go explore this area further and figure out what we're working with here. And then Arnold knew that the best way to get this word to spread was to get this businessman. They didn't know from a can of paint to promise that he would be quiet about it. Uh, apparently, Roberts was uh, cartoonishly bad at keeping his promise. As soon as the guys were done, I mean, thank God he didn't have a cell phone. As soon as the guys Seriously. were done. Seriously. Yeah. Or a Ro- Twitter account. Right, right. Roberts is running around town. He finds one of the most important businessmen in San Francisco, a guy named William Ralston, who also owns the Bank of California. And you could kind of picture Roberts' motivation, right? He's trying to get a vig. He's trying to curry some favor, you know, and he wants a piece of the diamond pie. Uh, Ralston gets word of this and, uh, you know, you can picture the like Morse code montage going on here with dits and dashes and dots. Uh, and he sends a telegram to another businessman. He, he knows this guy has the best name. You're talking about Ashbury Harpending? <laughs> yes. The, the, <laughs> he's described multiple times as somewhat shady. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but with a, with a name like that, you've got the air of respectability about you, so you're allowed to kind of, you know, have some secret shady dealings. Uh, who, yeah, he, he had actually been accused of high treason, though, um, eight years prior to that, uh, when he attempted to sail out of the San Francisco Bay with a ship that he was going to use as a Confederate raider um, along the coast of California. Pretty weird, right? Yeah. What does that even mean, Ben? What do you mean? He was going to go a raiding, a raping and a pillaging? Yeah, it was like pillaging, harrying the Union forces uh, on the West Coast, I guess, was his idea. Or, yeah, you know, he, clearly he hadn't thought it through all the way. But we, we want to show you how the web is spreading, the web of this misinformation. While this is happening, concurrently, Arnold and Slack are returning to Roberts, and they say, okay, we wanted to keep our word. We wanted to update you. Sure. We're pretty excited by what we found. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they came back with more loot. Yeah. They, they, they you know, valued uh, uh, off the top of their heads at about $600,000, which is just, that is an absolute fortune in those days, right? Yeah, let's do an inflation calculator just to give you a sense of how much money that was. Drum roll, please. $600,000 in 1870 was equal to about $11.8 million 
today. So they walked up to this guy and they said, hey, you seem cool. Thanks for keeping our secret. We have come back with like almost $12 million worth of gems. And that's just the 60 pounds we could carry. Yeah, that's right. Um, And so they were kind of trying to just pull him in deeper and, and they could see those dollar signs in his eyes just starting to to flash like some like a cartoon character. And so Roberts bit completely, totally took the bait and started pulling in other businessmen um, saying, look, this is really real now. These guys are like, they've got a spot they're going to and bringing me these diamonds from. We got to figure out where it is, right? Yeah, yeah. And you have the jewels authenticated as well. So these right. were not like fake jewels. I mean, this was they, they were <laughs> right. they were sort of, I guess what you'd consider low quality diamonds, right? Right, right. And they were diamonds. Yeah, they were definitely diamonds. That's the thing. They were real diamonds. And they had had uh, a jeweler say that and confirm it. But remember, we said these businessmen were overconfident. One common thing about all great cons and all great scams is that they depend upon the human failings of people. In this case, greed and overconfidence. Because Roberts goes back to the guy, Ralston, who owns the Bank of California, goes back to that shady uh, would-be Confederate sailor Harpendine, and then they also get two San Francisco miners who have already made it, two entrepreneurs named William Lent and a guy named General George S. Dodge. And together, these five men say, look, we know the deal. Let's take these two yokels, these two dum-dums from Kentucky, and let's buy them out. Let's cut them out of the picture, and let's make some serious scratch. And so they say, okay, the easiest way to do this is we'll buy out their interest or their their right to mine in the this land. Yeah, wherever that might be. Right, because they still didn't know. No. And honestly, I mean, that's what they're that's what they're angling for, too. It's like they're willing to go out of pocket on good faith just in the hopes that they will, you know, be led to this magical trove because they're picturing a, like, Comstock load but the diamond version, you know, like uh-huh. where they can just constantly pull precious stones from the earth and be uh, just gazillionaires. Yeah, yeah, and they know how to tease the money out. So the five big shots go to the prospectors and they say, all right, hey, we're going to we just want to buy your share. And then at first the prospectors say, ah, nah, you know, I need to think about it. I don't I don't feel too too good about making a decision right now. So they turn up the pressure and they start offering them more money. And eventually Slack, who is kind of the at least the less outgoing of the two, says, "Uh, you know, I will. I'll sell, but I'll, I'll sell for $100,000. Yeah, 50 now and 50 after we come back and bring you a third haul, right, from, from this uh, secret mine. Um, so once he gets the first half of the hundred grand, he and his buddy head back off to England to take that money and buy more uncut gems, right? Uh, and this is July of 1871. They're using fake names. Uh, they didn't de- deviate too far. At least Arnold didn't. Arnold became Ondal. And uh, Slack used his middle name, which was Bircham. Um, they bought 20 grand worth of rough diamonds and rubies, spent many thousands of dollars on other diamonds and rubies. Um, all told, they had uh, several thousand stones that they were bringing back because they had to have that wow factor. You know, this was the third, the third haul. They needed to show that this was a producing mine and that it was worth what they were being paid for it to keep the con alive, right? 
Exactly, exactly. So they're still 30 grand up, right? 30 more than they had. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's an interesting thing. The the guy in London they buy the diamonds from is a man named Leopold Keller. Leopold remembers thinking there was something weird about this because he says, I asked them where they were going to have the diamonds cut. Uh, and they don't say anything because, of course, they have no plan to cut these. They want to come up with another bag of loose stones and show these uh, businessmen in San Francisco that they ha- they just keep finding stuff. So they get back there. It's 1871. And they say, look, we'll make one more trip to the diamond field. We'll come back with eh, a couple million dollars worth of stones. And then you can hold that as a guarantee on your investment. So they left. And instead of mining the fields, they apparently salted them. And then that guy, uh, Harpending, who in my mind is always the would-be Confederate, right? Harpending meets their train in a town called Lathrop, California, which is east of San Francisco. And uh, he has a description of them when he sees them, right? He sure does. He referred to them as both travel-stained and weather-beaten. Not the most flattering of descriptions. Um, And he referred to their general appearance having gone through much hardship and privation. Good, good, good turns of phrase there. Yeah. Uh, Slack was sleeping at the time, um, and Arnold was awake, and he was sort of keeping watch almost, right? He had, like, his rifle um, and that same buckskin satchel, right? Yep, that's correct. And they say, you know, they look like they've been mining and sleeping rough. And they say, we have found this spot, and we do have that $2 million worth of diamonds we talked about. We divided it into two packs, but here's the thing. We're crossing a river. We built a raft, but we're miners. We're not boat rights, right. shipwrights. And so we lost one of the packs. I know it's a bummer. So we just have this one pack uh, that's probably around a million. And then they hand this package to Harpending, and he gives them a receipt for it, which is weird. Uh, but I guess that's kind of like their deposit. Totally. Uh, so he gives them the receipt, and then he takes it into a ferry, and he goes back across the bay to San Francisco. There's actually a memoir called The Great Diamond Hoax and Other Stirring Incidents in the Life of Ashbury Harpending. That is uh, Harpending's memoir. Uh, It's a great uh, convolutedly long title. I love it. Uh, And Here's an excerpt from that. We're going to read entirely. Um, Arrived at San Francisco, my carriage was waiting and drove me swiftly to my home where the other investors were waiting. This is when they were waiting for proof. We did not waste time on ceremonies. A sheet, I don't know, he's not British, but whatever. A sheet was spread on my billiard table. I cut the elaborate fastenings of the sack and holding the lower corners dumped the contents. It seemed like a dazzling many-colored cataract of light. Yeah, it's impressive, right? And they say, wow, this looks great. This is literally a sack of precious gems. But despite their very high opinions of their own intelligence, they were not complete uh, jabronis. They said, okay, before we get any deeper in this, we're going to take a little bit of uh, a little bit of the loot. A random sampling, right? Right, exactly. I say about 10% of it, and we're going to carry it to uh, some jewelers. Actually, let's find Charles Lewis Tiffany over in New York City, the famous one from the salsa commercials. Of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And uh, let's have him appraise this random sample from this bag. And then let's also hire a mining engineer, an actual expert, to check out this diamond field. Let's also let some of these stones be on display in uh, a local San Francisco jeweler's store and, you know, kind of kind of stoke the fires, wet the appetite, uh, you know, make the city start to desire diamonds. Yeah. So in October of 1871, they met at uh, this gentleman's house by the name of Barlow. It was, uh, the address was 23rd Street and Madison Avenue for this appraisal. And so Harpending presents the diamonds, and Tiffany took a look, uh, likely through his jeweler's loop, um, and he was kind of sorting them into different piles. We had the sapphires, the emeralds, the rubies, and of course the diamonds. Uh, he was described as having viewed them gravely in Harpending's memoir, and and he uh, really gave them a serious looking over, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, he got it wrong. Here's the thing. Yeah, he does the inspection, and he says, Gentlemen, these are beyond question precious stones of enormous value. And he can't tell them how much these are worth exactly until he has, you know, some of his boys take a look. And so two days later, he comes back, and he says that these, this sample of stones, just the ones he looked at, were worth 150 grand, Harpendine does a little math, and he says, well, that sack they told me was worth about a million dollars must actually be worth $1.5 million. Here's where the scam gets really interesting because it starts like they are really benefiting from some kind of random occurrences. Like the best jeweler in the world, essentially, or like one of the most well-known, well-regarded jewelers totally borks it, you know, yeah. and just, just really, like, makes the wrong call. That is something that uh, that our, our huckster boys could not have predicted. Right, and that would have been a sign for a smart scamster to get out, you know, uh, light out for the territories, as Mark Twain would say. Yeah, but instead, of course, they, they, they let it ride. They let it ride. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel. Have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So they knew that they lucked out. They were uh, they were beside themselves with joy, and they were flush with uh, they were flush with good fortune. But let's let's not forget they the investors still have not seen this miraculous you know diamond uh, field, right? Right. So at some point, they are going to have to see this field before they give them any more money. So Arnold goes back to England presumably under a pseudonym. He buys more uncut gems, and then he and Slack go to a, a little piece of nowhere on the border of Colorado and Wyoming, and they literally sprinkle these gems that they bought just kind of on the ground. Do they not <laughs> realize the that's not how diamond mining works? <laughs> Don't you have to, like, hack it out of, like, a rock wall, you know? I guess they were, like, uh, the closest they got to actually mining was maybe an Easter egg hunt. Yeah, that's wild. Just sprinkling it in the dirt. <laughs> exactly. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, so they take them to this. This is in Wyoming, by the way. Yeah. And um, they bring the investors there, finally, you know? At long last. Takes four days to get there on horseback. Uh, they even go so far as pretend that they're lost and make it real to do to get here. You know, these guys are going to be like exhausted and annoyed by the time they get there. So maybe they'll be a little distracted, I'm thinking, is what their calculus was, yeah? Yeah, exactly. And more importantly, they won't have an accurate memory of the the true path to this, this legendary diamond mine. So Harpending, and again, we're using his memoir as a source here, Harpending notes that eventually people got tired of it. They were kind of sick of being in the saddle. They were cross. They started uh, arguing with each other. And then finally, on the afternoon of June 4th, 1872, they reach the Mesa and they start looking for diamonds. Apparently, Arnold was very much like an adult at one of those Easter egg things. And he was, you know, giving them hints. He's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe go by that rock. Whoa, look at you, big champ. boy. Yeah. Who's my big boy? <laughs> it's you, Mr. Harbin, Harbender. Harpender? Harpender. Mm-hmm. I, like to, like, I like thinking of it as being two words, harp and ender. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, they were pretty pleased. They, I guess... We're not fully aware of how the mechanics. I mean, I guess you can find in the way you find gold in a stream. Maybe you can find little diamonds in the dirt. I, I don't know about that. That seems wrong. I mean, people luck out all the time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess some could have gotten knocked loose or whatever through erosion or something. Yeah, I, but I, I, I maintain, though, I, I think you're right. The majority of diamonds 
because of the enormous pressure they have to be under to transform from coal. Right. The, the enormity of diamonds are probably underground. That's why they're called diamond mines. Right. Not diamond fields. Not, yeah, it's like a diamond sandbox at this point. I mean, you really didn't put <laughs> yeah. much work into it at all. Um, so at this point, they're relatively satisfied. Uh, they found, he said, you know, Harpender, Harpending wrote in his memoir, it was a diamond fast enough. Any fool could see that much. Then we began to have all kinds of luck. For more than an hour, diamonds were being found in profusion, together with occasional rubies, emeralds, and sapphires. Why, a few pearls were, whoa. See? Why, a few pearls weren't thrown in for good luck. I have never yet been able to tell. Probably it was an oversight. That's cute. Yeah. I thought for a minute I thought we were going to get some pearls. No, no, no. 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 But everybody gets convinced, even people who should know better. Uh, Janin, the mining engineer, uh, was paid a $2,500 fee, and he had also been guaranteed the right, should he choose, to purchase 1,000 shares of stock in this new diamond venture at $10 a share. And – Harpending later notes he was wildly enthusiastic. Uh, you know, you can only watch so many people just pick gems up off of the ground before you think you have a good, a good shot at getting some yourself. And he said to himself, you know, based on my experience as a mining engineer, the surrounding land has a pretty good chance of having gems as well. So he stakes out 3,000 acres, even though the area where Slack and Arnold were perpetrating their hoax was only an acre itself. He buys 3,000 acres around it. And then he says these 100,000 shares of stock are easily worth $40 each. And then he later sells his shares at that price. So he makes, in addition to his $2,500 engineering fee, he makes $30,000. And he is the only, so now people who are not the con artists are making money off of the con. That's how lucky these hoaxers were. This guy had nothing to do with it. He fell for it hook, line, and sinker, and he still made 30 grand. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, you got to appreciate the chutzpah uh, of, of these two fellows and just that they were able to kind of like bob and weave and go with the flow to uh, keep it going, you know? Mm-hmm. And so everybody else finishes up their Easter egg hunt. And they say, okay, we got to leave some people behind to guard the site. They leave one of the con artists, Slack. They need to leave another fellow, Rubri, and they're supposed to guard the site, but they don't get along with each other. So in a couple days, they skedaddle as well. We never learned what happened to Slack. He disappears from the historical record. But his family legacy carried on when they uh, invented a very popular um, office messaging system. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, That is a direct result of the diamond hoax of 1872. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I know what's happening. Yes, Yes, Ben. I know what's happening here. Are you feeling it? I think the listeners are probably feeling it. Yeah, uh, there's no way we're going to get this done in one episode. Yeah, we probably could. Since podcast is a is sort of a time, you know, there's no time restrictions on podcasts. It's all what we impose upon it ourselves. Yeah, but like Dan Carlin, Hardcore History, which is a fantastic show, that guy goes on for like hours. And That's hours. a good point. Yeah, so you gotta you gotta have standards. You gotta set boundaries. And by golly, we're gonna do that today uh, by making this one another two parter. Please don't be upset. Um, we wanted to take President's Day off. Is that that? Come on, you can't hold that against us. Well, also we wanted to tell the whole story. It, 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 I'm sorry. It's mainly about that. <laughs> 
would be it would be a, a, an hour plus long episode. Uh, but we want to thank you so much as always for tuning in. Uh, this concludes part one of the Great Diamond Hope of 1872. Stay tuned for part two. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we especially recommend Ridiculous Historians, where you can meet our favorite part of the show, your fellow listeners. You know, Ben, I would say anything with great in the title deserves a two-parter. There we go. Yeah. Huge thanks to Casey Pegram, super producer extraordinaire, Alex Williams, who composed our theme, Christopher Hasiotis, Jonathan Strickland, everyone. God, Bill Murray, my mother, um, uh, uh, Tupac, Tupac was cool. Uh, let's see, I'm, I'm thinking Fran Drescher. You love Fran Drescher. I, yeah. Oh man, how's she doing? Do you think? Uh, I heard one time years ago she uh, she tried to pay for uh, dinner at a fancy restaurant with autographed pictures of herself. Ooh, I don't think that uh, currency holds up. I don't know, man. If I had been working at the restaurant, I would have been like, thank you. This is amazing. What's the conversion rate of a Fran Drescher autographed pic to a dollar? I mean, what what price can you put on Joy? Really is what? Uh, no, uh, they, they do have a new... <laughs> I think uh, she has a new show out. But yeah, thanks to you, Fran Drescher. Uh, we squashed the beef with Cheryl Crow so thank you to you Mrs. Crow uh, Leonard Nimoy he's cool I'm just naming people the Golden Girls Leonard Cohen Leonard Cohen great one yeah uh, and thanks to you Noel hey thanks to you Ben we'll see you next time folks for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yes you heard that right you can talk to a human on the discover customer service team anytime So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.